0: CHAPTER TWENTY-FIVE OF THE BLACK STAR BY JOHNSTON McCulley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline CHAPTER TWENTY-FIVE SHADOWED BY THREE Roger Verbeck's powerful four-seated roadster, its curtains up against the fine drizzle of rain, and with mugs at the wheel, drew up when the traffic policeman raised a warning hand and waited for the crosstown stream of vehicles and pedestrians to pass. It was eight o'clock in the evening and the streets were thronged. Crowds were hurrying toward the theaters, more crowds were making for a big automobile show, and others were hastening towards a large hall where there was to be a mass meeting at which infuriated speakers would demand that the police department of the city capture instantly the Black Star, the notorious master criminal, who, with his band of clever crooks, had terrorized the city for half a year. Verbeck's car was of foreign make and of peculiar appearance, and it was natural that it should be recognized. Muggs bent over the wheel and gritted his teeth as he heard the expressions passed by pedestrians, and the young man beside him looked straight ahead, as if seeing nothing and hearing nothing. "'When you gonna get the Black Star?' "'What's Black Star payin' you to hold off, Verbeck?' "'That crook's too much for you, ain't he?' "'Well, well, so he hasn't caught you again?' Those were samples of the remarks being passed and they made Muggs want to get from the roadster and fight his way into the midst of the mob. Muggs knew better than anyone else how Verbeck, since the memorial day when the Black Star had dared the young millionaire to capture him, had tried every means in his power to get hands on the master criminal. The Black Star had written again to Roger Verbeck, saying that he and his man Muggs would be abducted by the Black Star's men, Taken to the Master Crook's new headquarters, for which they had been searching in vain, and from there taken to the scene of a big crime. They would be forced to stand by under guard and watch the crime committed, and then they would be treated to shots from the vapor gun the Black Star and his men used, and left unconscious on the spot, laughing-stocks for the public that letter had been sent to the newspapers three weeks before, and as yet the Black Star had not abducted Roger Verbeck and Muggs. The criminal, in another letter to the papers, insisted that this was not because he had not had an opportunity to effect the abduction, but because preparations had not been completed for the next big crime. So now, as Verbeck's roadster waited at the corner, Those who recognized the car, and its occupants, enjoyed a few moments of sarcastic abuse. It was nothing to the general public that Verbeck had spent time and money in an effort to capture the master criminal after the police had failed, that he had risked his life half a score of times, and once even had been accused of belonging to the Black Stars Band himself. The unthinking public looked only at results and there had been none muggs and verbeck and the few thinkers in the city knew well that if the black star was caught these thoughtless ones would be the first to praise verbeck loudly but in the meantime the sarcasm was highly unpleasant after a time the traffic cop turned and raised a hand and muggs growled again and threw in the clutch and piloted the heavy car across the street and down the broad avenue. They were out of the congested district within a few minutes, and speeding along a boulevard that led to a section of the city where large and modern apartment houses were to be found. Half a block behind Verbeck's Roadster, a man trailed on a motorcycle, seemingly paying no attention to the car ahead, but in reality keeping close watch on it, A short distance behind the motorcycle trailed a runabout with one man in it. The runabout was a small car, but a mechanician could have told after a second glance that it was a powerful one. The man in the runabout was watching both the motorcycle and Verbeck's car. A short distance behind the runabout was a lightweight truck. Behind the wheel of the truck was a young man, who appeared eager to get home after an overtime delay in making deliveries. He wore greasy overalls and jumper, and a slouch hat pulled well down over his eyes. The collar of the jumper was turned up to keep out the drizzle. Thus the procession moved along the broad boulevard, and after a time Verbeck's roadster drew up at the curb in front of an imposing apartment house. Muggs remained behind the wheel, but the man he had been driving got out and hurried into the building. It was natural that he did so, for on the ground floor lived his fiancée. The threat of abduction, it appeared, did not keep Roger Verbeck from paying his customary visits to his sweetheart. The man on the motorcycle pulled in at the curb on the opposite side of the street, dismounted, and appeared to be tinkering with his machine. The runabout passed him, and its driver bent out and spoke a few words as it passed, the motorcyclist nodding in reply. Then the runabout went around the next corner where it stopped, its driver getting out and walking slowly back up the boulevard, like a belated laborer on his way home. The light truck did not pass Verbeck's car, it turned into an alley and pulled up behind a garage there its driver got out and walked quickly back to the mouth of the alley and there he peered around the corner of a high fence and down the boulevard he noticed that the motorcyclist had left his machine and crossed the street and was approaching verbeck's roadster he saw the man who had been driving the runabout walking slowly from the other direction the driver of the truck chuckled lightly to himself and remained at the mouth of the alley in the shadows watching End of chapter twenty five recording by roger maline